Hey, everybody. Welcome to Overtime. This is Dribble's official podcast. I'm Dan Cederholm, your host, and this is episode 24 with Ethan Marcotte. And uh, this is a really special episode uh, because we, we recorded this live at the Hangtime After Party in Boston. Uh, Hangtime was an event that Dribble uh, put on. Uh, it was a full-day event with uh, speakers like Kelly Anderson and John Contino and Debbie Millman uh, and more. And uh, it was a big success. And uh, we actually recorded uh, this conversation with Ethan Marcotte at the After Party in a very loud bar. But... Even with a loud bar, we were able to get some some great insights about responsive web design, GIFs, and a whole lot more from Ethan. So I hope you enjoy this uh, very special live uh, edition of Overtime, and um, thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Porkbun, where you can get website domain names for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. Now, you've probably already seen a friend or someone using the .design domain and may have noticed major companies like Facebook using the site facebook.design to highlight their design content. Right now, Porkbun is offering the .design domain name completely free for the first year. That's right. You get a year free. Head to porkbun.com now and use the coupon code OVERTIME at checkout to get literally a year free of your .design domain name. It comes with free email hosting, who is privacy, and SSL certs. That's a lot for nothing. Uh, it's crazy. Um, unlike .com or .net, .design is a domain that matches exactly what you do for a living and makes your branding look better. .design functions the same way as .com or .org, but it's just more interesting. It's better branding. It looks great on resumes or business cards. It looks awesome on email addresses. For free, did I mention that it was free for a year? crazy go to www.porkbun.com and use the coupon code overtime at checkout remember that's a free year of domain registration email hosting who is privacy and ssl certs and all that stuff which is pretty darn fantastic uh, everybody should go get one right now thank you so much to porkbun for sponsoring uh, this episode and now let's get over to boston live from hang time in our chat with ethan marcotte Put your hands together for Ethan Marcotte. It's great. Thanks for uh, thanks for setting the expectations low, Dan. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, yeah. thanks for being here. This is great. It's like me and you at a at a at a bar, loud bar, just kind of right. chit chatting about about uh, web design. We're lucky to have Ethan here because uh, he's he's quite a. a, a a web celebrity, I would say. And I know you're going to love me saying that, really? by the way. So that's really? why I use that term. Um, but honestly, like, Ethan's working on some amazing things. Um, if you don't have his book, or books, I should say. Books? Books, yeah. <laughs> no, there's actually real multiple books. If you put them together, they're almost a whole book. So, yes. Yeah, very short. <laughs> uh, so Ethan invented, was that the right term? Responsive web design. Responsive web design, right? Does everybody, I mean, everybody in here knows what this is, uses it, adheres by it. Tell us how it came to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I tell the story. How's that for an at, opening question? Like, right, right. No, I, I, I tell the story at every bar in Boston, and I get a very warm reception every time. Um, it's a good bar story. 
Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it happened back in like, you know, when I started my career, I was basically working for a small studio in New York and liked my job, but like, um, it was basically a paycheck and I didn't really sort of like until it, like, I read this article called A Dow Web Design by John Alsop and that was like a... Ooh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good read. And I think it's, it's it, you know, he wrote this back in like 2001, but I still think it's like super relevant today because he's basically talking about the web as a completely flexible design medium, which I hadn't ever really thought about before that, you know, we're designing these experiences, but we have no control over when or how these, you know, designs are being encountered. So we need to be more flexible. I think it's safe to say like back in 2000, 2001, like there was a collective shruggy from the design industry. It's like, this is all well and good, but like, we need to ship stuff and we can't really sort of adhere to that. So, um, you know, it wasn't until like, you know, well, six or seven years ago, I was working on some projects where, you know, I started building flexible layouts and working on media queries and sort of like a weird peanut butter and chocolate moment. But I'd always been excited about fluid layouts, but at the same time, like that lack of control was kind of missing. So that's where media queries kind of came in and that's where responsive design eventually happened. So. Yeah, it was a long process, but yeah, it's kind of a spiritual sequel to DAO web design, I guess. Yeah, and, and that's like the DAO web design. If, if there's one link to, to read tonight, right. right? We can give everyone homework, right? Yeah, homework. Yeah, yeah. Homework. Everyone um, has to leave the bar. The DAO web design by John Alsop. <laughs> that's the homework. Yeah. Because um, it, it is a wonderful uh, article. It's and a really, really great piece of writing. Yeah, it really resonates today. Yeah. So, all right. So you 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 you're this mad wizard that was able to wow. connect. Um, Why can't I be a happy wizard? Uh, no, Matt. Oh, Matt. I meant mad in a good way, actually. But <laughs> but yes. Um, but you're 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 this happy wizard that put put the uh, took media queries and and uh, and flexible images and and put that stuff together. Um, what has it? Do you think it's been a sort of a a long has it taken a long time for people to catch catch on to this, or, or, or do people catch on to it right away and, and sort of resonate with it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that people were, like, I, I don't know. I'm still, like, kind of surprised that it's still a thing. Like, I wrote an article, and I hit a publishing deadline, and I kind of thought that was going to be the end of it. But the fact that so many people have gotten so excited about it suggests to me anyway that, like, I think if, so, if I hadn't, like, if I hadn't hit on the idea that... Um, somebody else would have. But I think at the same time, like, I think, yeah, we're still trying to figure out, like, the best way to design more flexibly. I think that's a big shift, especially since, like, so many of the design tools we use on a daily basis are kind of, like, locked into a specific kind of machine. You know, we're still thinking about widescreen users before we think about smaller ones. And I think that's a big mind shift. And I think, you know, there's some really beautiful responsive work coming out right now, but I think it's, it's just in the last, like, year or two that we're starting to see things that start thinking about how to scale these design systems in ways that feel like they're at home on any kind of screen right now. So, yeah. Do you find it difficult to keep up with, with designing for the web, like today, as opposed to 10 years ago? Whatever? Oh, it's super easy right now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth on this a lot because like, I don't know if the web was ever easy and we were just sort of like ignoring a whole bunch of the problems. Like, you know, John Alsop's writing about like, you know, the fact that, you know, any size screen can be accessing our de designs, but, you know, I was working on, like, 800 by 600 pixel fixed layouts and trying to keep things above the fold for my day job, and, 
you know, so I think we were just sort of like selectively locking ourselves off from a lot of like the big challenges that were out there. And I think it's, so I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth because I think like the web's always been hard, but we've been pretending it was easy until relatively recently. That said, I mean, like, I feel like I have to spend like three hours in a terminal window every time I start a new project, and I don't understand yes, half of the things yes. I'm typing. So there's a lot of complexity in our design process right now, but I wonder if that's just because we're kind of still a young industry. I don't know. I, I agree. I think yeah. it's going so fast, it's so difficult. You know? Yeah, um, totally. So uh, for people that um, aren't privy to the responsive web design quite yet, what's... What do you think is uh, the easiest way to get into into it? People that are new to responsive web design, like, right, and they're like, right. "Oh, I've heard uh, responsive web design is is, yeah. is great," and uh, I don't know where to start. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it feels hard. I think, especially like, I don't know if you've been thinking about layouts in terms of like Photoshop canvases. It's a big shift for a lot of people, and it's a big shift for me in my design practice. But I don't know. I mean, the one piece of feedback I tend to give a lot of people is like, there's so many easy frameworks out there for building a responsive page. I feel like that's one of the best ways to kind of start learning. It's not usually the way I suggest people like, you know, keep learning, but I think if you're trying to figure out the fundamentals of page layout, if you're trying to think about like how to reposition elements across the page, I mean, it's actually, in a lot of ways, it's never been easier to just start building a website now. Um, or heck, you know, sign up for a free WordPress account or start checking out Squarespace or something, but like anything that starts like making the challenges that you see in front of you like a little bit more approachable, there's a lot of tools that kind of abstract a lot of that complexity away. And so I think it's, um, it depends on the person I'm talking to, if they're a little bit more code savvy or a little bit more design savvy, but there's a lot of great ways to sort of like just get over that initial hump and start like just tinkering. And I think that's the best way to learn. Yeah, that's great. I mean, like... So basically, using a framework as a learning tool, right? That that has it already baked in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Rather than starting from scratch and being like, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, starting from scratch feels hard, and you know. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I try to avoid it whenever possible. Do <laughs> you think it was easier creating websites with uh, tables? And spacer gifts and stuff <laughs> than it is now. Or I'm or never going back to that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. The web's always felt like a little bit hacky in terms of layout, anyway, right? So yes, yes. I mean, it's only like in the last couple of years that we've gotten Flexbox, we've gotten things like CSS grid layout. Like, it feels like we now have like real layout tools for the web, which is incredibly exciting because I think like, you know, tables, floats, positioning stuff like that's that's kind of like that's framed a lot of the way that we think about composition for the web. And I think now we've gotten these things that, like, we can build these beautiful art-directed layouts using just a little bit of CSS. And I think it's like we're getting to the point now where we don't need to lean on CSS frameworks for building pages. We can, you know, build a complete grid layout and just, like, you know, 10 lines of style sheet rules. That's, it's, it, I don't know, 10 years ago me would be very excited about the things that now me can do on the web. And right, it's, right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so, uh, you think uh, the advances in like CSS layout and, and, and grid layout is is? Uh, I assume it makes responsive web design easier. So there, there's more tools that are that are coming out that are making it easier. Yeah. To, yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. I mean, we can do like dramatically different things with our designs. We don't have to be like locked into where an element lives in a particular part of the code. We can do some really drastic things and some really beautiful things. Um, but I think there's going to be a learning period. Like, 
you know, I, I know when folks started getting into CSS, there was like a complaint that like all layouts look boxy. We're starting to hear that again on the web. You know, it's like, but it's like that's a transitional period, and we're going through that again. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of exciting to see. It is exciting. Yeah. Now you've uh, you have a podcast. I do. Called Responsive Web Design with Karen McGrain, right? That's right. Yeah. And you've been interviewing a lot of uh, different companies about how they're how they're. Uh, tell us what it's like talking to companies that are embracing. Yeah. Responsive Web Design. Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking about it. I mean, the podcast is um, it's just something that Karen and I started doing because um, well, we wanted to sort of like hear how people took these big sites responsive. Um, so inevitably, like every episode, we bring on folks like the BBC, The Guardian. Um, it's, I'm at a bar and I'm blanking. But you know, we basically like, we brought in uh, we, uh, departments of the US government, like the State Department, um, transit companies, these like big names and organizations that have done these like big responsive redesigns. And inevitably, like the hardest part of the problem for them is never fluid layouts and media queries. You know, it's like right. how to design and implementation teams like work more closely together. How do they think about their content management system? Um, you know, so it's like a lot of the process stuff that is actually kind of fascinating because ultimately, like in my design practice, like when I'm talking to somebody, it's never about building the layouts. It's always about like you know we need to actually bring design and front end a lot closer together because we need to be able to ship more of that. So it's yeah, that's the stuff that I found really fascinating. So yeah. What's your advice on uh, getting teams to, to not think about uh, designing for a device yeah. as opposed to uh, true responsive web design where, yeah. you're, where you're, doesn't matter what the device is, right? Um, like, for instance, um, mobile first is, a, is, a, is a, a, a technique that some people employ. Yeah. What are, I was curious, what are your, your thoughts on, on that? If that's a good approach or, or not? Or on mobile first specifically? Yeah. Or just, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think like that's like mobile first as an idea is like one. I think maybe more transformative for me in my practice than responsive design was because it's like it's really about like a reminder for me as a designer that my view of the web, which is usually like on a widescreen device on relatively recent hardware or whatever, isn't representative of everybody's view of the web. So like mobile first is basically a reminder that I need to be focused on screens that are 80% smaller than the ones I'm using to design. And so what does that do to the content I'm designing? What does that do to the information hierarchy? You know, how can I think about the problems of a small screen and privilege that while working in a, an environment that's completely different? And I think that's a big shift for me and it's a big shift for most of the companies I work with because again, they're really thinking about presenting a design to their stakeholders that's, okay, here's this big, beautiful widescreen layout and then, oh yeah, there's gonna be this mobile experience but it's just gonna be linear. There's some responsive designs out there right now that are just beautiful to look at on a phone and wonderful to look at on a widescreen like the Atlantic just redesigned responsively um, two or three months ago and if you spend any amount of time with it on screens wide or small I mean it's stunning to look at you know the, the like just the typography alone I got lost in a couple times because it's like really well thought out um, so I, I kind of feel like as an industry that there are these really wonderful stories coming out of like people actually figuring out how to design for mobile in a beautiful way. So I think it's just gonna be an evolution. And I think that's what a lot of companies have to do, is just like, how do we slowly get up to that point? So like, yeah, any, any um, attempt at 
making sure your design looks good and different is, is a step forward, right? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Not, it's, it's not a um, all or nothing approach. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, there was, um, you know, I make a distinction generally when I'm doing talks or in my, like, in general, between like responsive design, which is completely flexible, can be viewed anywhere, and between layouts, they use like media queries to switch between a couple different fixed width layouts, you know, like desktop, tablet, mobile, and those are the three designs they made. That's not to say that they're bad. I mean, anything you can do to optimize your site for multiple screens is awesome. Um, and if that's what gets you ultimately to a responsive approach, I think that's great. So yeah. So good. So good. Thanks. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, we, have, we had a couple um, people uh, put questions in the bucket from the day event. And uh, they actually win a prize because we chose oh their my question. Goodness. Uh, this is an, it says it's an open-ended question. Talk a little bit about your collection of GIFs. Oh, wow. Uh, and if you have a favorite GIF and how big the collection is. So this is switching gears quite a bit here. Yeah. Um, Ethan is, um, I think on your, one of your bios is that you're a GIF sommelier, <laughs> which um, yeah. I think is brilliant. And I think he, I, having known Ethan for a long time, he has the best taste and gifts that I think I know of anybody. You're very kind. Uh, and, and, and he's really pioneering in that sense. <laughs> because, uh, you know, gifts are, I mean, you're, you know, uh, Uncle Larry that has no, no idea about right. the internet knows what a gif is now. But yeah. before that, Thank you, you were pioneering the use of a gif as a way of uh, showing a certain emotion. Thank Spending you. a lot of time on the setup. No, I? I, I like so, to think of myself as a gift thought leader. So thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. So how, uh, nobody's going to listen to this, right? So I, I, it's funny because um, <laughs> I feel like this. I'm I'm making this not a, a serious question, but it is. Like, what do you? What is it about gifts? And how do you find them? Yeah. Um, so I have this site called Bucket, uh, which yes. is uh, B-U-K-K dot I-T. Um, which started because there's this great meme of a big old walrus who's got a bucket in his flippers and he's like, I has a bucket and then somebody takes the bucket away and he looks all alarmed. He's like, no, they're taking my bucket. And I, I misremembered how they spelled bucket in the meme when I registered the domain name. So that's a fun origin story. But anyway, no, but I just started this like FTP repository of GIFs and J you know, weird images I found because it was like it was a really helpful way for me to like subtweet my day. So I could be having a really yes. great day and then you know basically post a current status GIF on Twitter that's like a I don't know a corgi like jumping through flowers or something. I don't actually have one of those GIFs. I should probably find one. But you know, so that was basically it was like a little emotional shorthand and you know it's a nice excuse to you know look for GIFs on. Tumblers and such, you know, sites where the, the millennials are hanging out. Um, but but I, yeah, the, but there is a um, there's an art to selecting the perfect gift for the emotion you're trying to. Convey, oh, thank right? you. Yeah, I think, um, I think you have that gift. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's. I mean, the bucket's probably got like, I think it's got like two thousand images in it right now, and that's like, I think around like. A thousand or so is when I started to lose the plot on like exactly which file names corresponded to which images, and um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a grab bag for me at the moment, but it's fun. 
probably my favorite website um, oh, thank on, you. On, the, on the internet. Thank you. So, again, uh, B-U-K-K dot I-T. Bucket. Yep. Go there. It's just literally a index listing of probably some of the most some of the most incredible thank you motion images you're you're going to see <laughs> i think hopefully nothing too scarring but thank you yeah no it's fun it's That's wonderful it's a thing i like doing it's a fun so, side project okay let's take another let's take another question from the pile here okay oh this is good it's back to uh, back to non gif uh, items what is your advice for team Teams building pattern libraries and style guides. What was the first part? Sorry. Uh, what is your advice for teams that are building uh, pattern libraries yeah. and style guides? Yeah, that's. What are your um, thoughts on those? That's a big topic. Yeah, no, right. it's it's a big challenge. I mean, I think that um, I think that the the process of creating a, a pattern library or style guide is it's pretty well documented, right? It's like you break down your design into a bunch of components. You document those components. You name them in a sensible way, and then you. You build a pattern library. There's a lot of work in that process, but it's, it's kind of like a three-step approach. The challenge is, though, is like a pattern library is only as valuable as it's being used by a team, and that's what's really difficult for a lot of companies. It's like, okay, we've built this great document. Nobody's ever going to look at it again. Um, so how do you integrate it into your workflow? How do you actually start like integrating it into your products? Honestly, one of the best ways that I've found to kind of like step through that is like, I've been really inspired by this one designer named Alakol Matova, who has been doing a lot of great writing about how creating a pattern library needs to be a collaborative process. So the process of like breaking your design down into components, have every member of your team be involved in that process, and then have them be involved in naming every single component individually. And there's some really great exercises out there, like um, Charlotte Jackson, um, who works at Atlassian, wrote this great article for List Apart about like, um, like a workshopping exercise to make that like a fun arts and crafts thing. So like bring big printouts of your designs and have everyone cut them up and then like vote on names for modules. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to manage the process, but the benefit of having everyone in your team work through that exercise of like naming these things is like you're actually agreeing on what a part of your design actually does and everyone then understands what it does. And so that helps everyone kind of be like um, an advocate or a guardian for, you know, the proper use of that module. So it's that kind of consensus building that I think like, you know, a pattern library is really only going to be good if it, like everyone's actually valuing it. So, you know, the more you can actually bring people into the process earlier on, the, the better I've found it's gone in the past. So. Wow. This is great. I'm just, I just read things on the internet. Ethan's smart, guys. Oh, thanks. We talked about pattern libraries. We talked about responsive web design. Um, how did you get? How did, what's your background in terms of getting into web design? Like, how, did you go to school for it, or right? Um, uh, I did not. Um, I, yeah, I'm a I'm a former literature major. So, but I I mean I got a um, an entirely legitimate and completely purchased on my own Steam copy of Photoshop back when I was in college. And, but, you know, I, like, I started doing some like, design projects kind of randomly for myself. Like, I've always been a big fan of like, poster design, and so I started like, you know, just sort of like, Photoshopping up some like, posters that really inspired me. And then I started doing some like, actual web design work for some student organizations that I was a part of. And you know, that was back in the day where you basically like, you'd create a picture in Photoshop, and then you'd basically like, use a bunch of tables and spacer GIFs to kind of like, make that Photoshop design in a browser. And so that was kind of a fun process for me. Um, 
but then yeah, uh, after college, I basically like decided that I didn't really want to go right back into Morris College. So um, an advisor at the time basically gave me some good advice when I was thinking about grad school. She's like, put the books away for a couple of years, get a job, do something else, and then if you miss the books, you come back to it. So I got my first studio job and I just got hooked. And I don't know, I guess I'm like 20 years in on taking a couple years off to college, but uh, <laughs> it's been going okay so far. Everybody has a crazy path to web design. I mean, yeah. Right? Um, let's go back to response to web design because there's yeah. so much to talk. There's like, it's crazy. Yeah. How does it feel to, to come up with this, this uh, approach that it seems almost like a requirement now for right. creating websites, right? Well, Dan, it's terrifying. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. <laughs> right, right. No, but like I, like I said it before, but like I seriously, like I wrote an article. Like I gave a talk at a conference back in like 2010. A woman named Mandy Brown, a good friend of mine, was in the audience and she was like, I want you to write this article or I want you to write this talk up as an article. And I did that because she's great and also, you know, you do what she says when she asks you to do a thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, it, it blew up, and I wasn't expecting that. I mean, it, you know, it kind of like started with designers that I respect and admire kind of picking up the idea, and then, you know, um, I got a chance to work on the Boston Globe redesign, Hometown Pride, you know, working on a big responsive redesign at that scale, and then like it kind of snowballed from there. And so, like I said, I mean, I wasn't expecting anything like the reception that I got, but it was at the same time, like, I think if, if I hadn't hit on the idea, I think somebody else would have, because it was just like, we were building separate designs for different devices and that just wasn't sustainable I mean like I can't imagine right now building a desktop website and an iPad website and an iPhone 7 oh, website that would be crazy yeah yeah there's got to be a better way there is yeah and now there is <laughs> and now there is yeah but I think somebody else would have hit on it if I hadn't so well, that's the most humblest answer I've ever heard somebody else would have come up with it I don't know about that yeah sure you know, would have, would someone else have come up with uh, the light bulb? You know, so, well, <laughs> yeah, we'll arm wrestle about this later. It's a lot of, I, I think that's it's kind of amazing. I, yeah, there's a lot of pressure too, right? On, on you, like, like now in yeah, this room for, for you. Oh. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's weird that people think of me as an authority on something that I'm still trying to figure out myself as a designer. Like, no, I mean, it's just like. I don't have any answers. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I follow a lot of conversations, and it's been really great to... I have a, I have a Twitter account, um, RWD, where I just, like, I find, like, redesigns or articles that people are writing or, you know, designs that people have been talking about, and I try to promote them because I'm, I'm just as much a part of this conversation as anybody else in this room. It's like mobile kind of broke us as a design industry, and I think we're Very right true. now, like, yeah, I mean... We're just trying to figure out again how to design for this. Life was so much easier before mobile came along, right? Yeah. Yeah, we only had one screen. Right. It was at a place we could leave it at work. Right. Yeah. So you really have, like, you have to embrace, like, if you want to design for the web now, right. you have to embrace that it's not just one, yeah. one thing. For, and for some people, that's really difficult, right? Um, uh, but... I, th I think reading reading your work and, and uh, understanding how web responsive web design works, it really it's very web. It's like it's it is web design. It's finally yeah. web design to me, rather than oh, we're yeah. trying to create a picture that fits in 
a browser window. We're actually creating like design for the web, which means you know multiple any yeah. device size yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no, totally, and it's it's hard, and it's hard for me. But I think like I don't know. At the same time, like I said, we're getting all these wonderful tools to do things that we we could only dream about like five or ten years ago. I mean, like heck, typography, like variable fonts, or something I don't understand at all. But it's right. like yeah, it's like right. you can have a font that changes its weight based on the size of the screen. You know, it's just <laughs> like for those of you at home, I just made the exploding head motion. Um, anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Would I be a terrible person if I started using tables, spacer gifts again? I mean, just for my blog. I don't know about anybody else, but... I really miss those days. Web design was so much easier. Just a little bit. And, uh, you know, and bars were quieter. No, no, totally. Yeah. I don't know if they were ever quiet. <laughs> Ethan, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Dan. Today, on this overtime. It's a pleasure to be here. This is really... You're, Yes! That was fun. That was good. You should try it. Between two food trucks. There's a food truck here. There's There's two food trucks. There's two food trucks. They're like grafted together. Amazing. Uh, Ethan, you've been a trooper because this is... Thank you. you No, it's been great to be here. And congrats on hang time. It was a great show. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was really great. Everybody, Ethan Marcotte again. Thank you.